From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, and we are joined today by Stacy Garish. Stacy, thanks very much for taking the time. Oh, you bet, George. It's always fun to chat with you. Now, we had a really nice discussion about Child Specialist 1 preparation. Let's talk today about getting ready to take your Child Specialist 2. Okay. What's the big difference? Well, the biggest difference... It, there's more similarities and differences, um, but the but the differences are that uh, the CS1 is for all ages of children through the intermediate zone, and at the CS1, a candidate is um, to to be at the standard. A candidate is expected to be able to be at in the Bloom's taxonomy at knowledge, comprehension, and application. When you get into the CS2, it's still all ages. Um, however, it moves into all zones, so beyond the intermediate zone into that advanced zone. And the candidate should be able to um, uh, analyze and be creative. So analysis, synthesis, and evaluation, that's how we measure the standard for that CS2. Now, I'm really nervous about working with kids, and I just soon not get kids' lessons, so I shouldn't get my CS1 <laughs> or 2, correct? No, that is absolutely not correct. <laughs> Everyone should go for their CS2. Um, and I say that because I really believe that um, when it says all ages, I know the title is children's specialist, but it's really about connecting and teaching with humans of all ages. And people hear me say that a lot, but it's because it's the truth. So especially if you're nervous about working with children and concerned that you know, you're going to get put into a lesson with children and how am I possibly going to relate to them, go to your CS2. Even if you never teach another lesson with a child, the CS2 is going to help you just to connect with your guests in general and be an overall more effective instructor. Now, how about difficulty level between the one and two? Um, I'd say, you know, it's probably the same difference that there is between um, the Alpine Level 1 and the Alpine Level 2, or the Snowboard Level 1 and the Snowboard Level 2. Um, it's definitely, the CS2 is a much more comprehensive level. Um, we're looking at um, the learning partnership and movement analysis and opportunities and challenges at a deeper level, and, and we want the candidate to be able to have real ownership of all of those um, topics and, and be able to take their teaching a little deeper in terms of presenting the best lesson possible for those students. Now, it's interesting to me. I've heard from more than one instructor that getting their CS2, they really felt that that was one of the best certifications that they achieved. I've heard that as well. Um, it's funny. I think it, it might be one of the ones that people go into with, a, with perhaps the most apprehension. Um, but it does seem in the end that when people go through the CS2 and certainly when they achieve it, um, I hear the same sentiments over and over. That was the best event I ever did. Everyone should do it. I learned so much. Um, so I hear that fairly often as well. Now, preparation. What are some things we can do to really get ready for this? Okay. So I know today, I think, is the last day of summer. Um, so fall is, is upon us, and we know what happens um, soon after it turns into fall. We'll start to smell the snow in the air, um, which we all love. So you can start prepping for your CS2 even 
even before the leaves fall off the trees. Um, so here are some ideas. Um, first of all, you could go to your divisional website and download, download any material that your site has hosted, or you can certainly visit any of the divisional websites. Um, in most divisions, you do need to complete a workbook. And I would suggest that you get crackalackin' on that CS2 workbook as soon as possible. It's really meant to be a study guide, and so it helps to direct you um, in your studying and you know help you do a little research um, to answer the questions. It's very comprehensive, and also by the time you get to your event, it's super valuable. Um, so the workbook is a great place to start. One of my favorite things about the CS2 is that it's a multi-discipline event, which means that we'll have groups of mixed disciplines. So we'll have skiers, snowboarders, and maybe some tally skiers in the same group. And this is going to sound a little out of the box, but one of the things that folks can do to prepare for the movement analysis part of this is to try to watch children, um, just watching children's movements. So whether you're, if you're a skier and you you know, go on YouTube and watch some children snowboarding, or if you're a snowboarder, watch some children skiing. Um, the reason I say that is that sometimes we get so hung up on um, the equipment, not that that's a bad thing, but we get really hung up on the equipment, and so we forget to look at just how that, that ch child's body is moving. Um, and it's important to notice the differences between how, let's say, a 5-year-old moves and a 15-year-old moves. And so if you're looking at them on equipment that you're not as familiar with, <clears throat> you're probably going to notice more about their body and less about the equipment. And then start watching video of them on the equipment that you are familiar with. So if you're a skier, then watch them on skis and the same for a snowboarder. So we can be working on the workbook, watching kids uh, on YouTube videos, but also I would assume just watching them out play. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, most, I think everywhere in the country now, school's back in session, and, and that means that children are participating in sports. Um, if you have children of your own, you know, you're probably going to watch them play some of their sports. But even if you don't, um, you can certainly go and watch children practice, whether it's soccer, baseball, um, field hockey, you know, any of those sports where children are moving, um, and really just try to watch, you know, how they move down the field, how they're moving side to side, um, those types of things. How are they, when a coach is giving them directions, this is a great one. Um, if you watch, uh, you know, let's use soccer, for example, and let's say they're playing um, a scrimmage and the coach is giving them verbal instructions from the side of the field, um, how are they processing that? Are they stopping their movement to look at the coach while, and listen, or are they able to process what the coach is saying to them as they're in movement on the field? And I suspect you'll see some differences depending on the age group that you watch. Now, Stacy, I'm curious, does the CS1 really help prepare someone for the CS2 as far as the exam experience itself? And I, I hate calling these exams because I know they're not like the certification exam, but it's still a test. Right. It's a process that you're going yes. through and, and people are about, you know looking at your level of knowledge. So I think a lot of people approach it with that same that same feeling. Um, yes, the CS1 is definitely designed to um, help someone with, work towards that CS2. So um, it's, 
you know, it's set up in a way that if you go to your CS1, you're going to be introduced to things like the learning partnership, um, movement analysis, um, behavior management, parents in the partnership, um, all of those topics at a more basic level um, and a level where you can work with children, again, in that green and blue zone. Um, so if you've got your CS1, then you're pretty well, you've got at least the language and you've been introduced to the theory and the models, and then that helps you as you move into the CS2 to be able to expand on, on what you've learned and how to apply that to a, a wider variety of ages and a, and a stronger ability, so more in that blue and black zone of teaching. Now, Stacy, as a children's educator, uh, as instructors are going through the process of the CS2, what are you looking for? What are some tips that you can give us, say, for presentation uh, for someone who's taking this? Sure. So at the CS2, what we really want to see is, is the candidate's ability to um, show us that they know the information and they know it at a point where they can present it in a unique way, um, perhaps in a way that we haven't heard before. So in other words, it's one thing to know um, real and ideal and the movement spectrum. It's another to be able to take a group of your peers and take us through um, a teaching segment on snow, doing something that perhaps I've never seen done or, or the other participants haven't seen done, so we're all learning in that process, versus someone who basically is just parroting back what they studied um, in one of the manuals. Now, this sounds like challenging fun. It is challenging fun. It's great. One of the things that um, I like to do with people to help them prepare for that is to take the topics and give them some tactics to take that topic to a deeper, more creative level. And it's, um, it's something I actually learned back in college when I took some um, acting and improv classes, um, but it's actually it's actually become really applicable um, in my role as a children's educator. And people, you know, feel that sort of inner fear at first, and then they really start to um, fall in love with that process of teaching with creativity. Now, Stacy, earlier we had a podcast with Robin Barnes about goal setting, and one of the things that we talked about we're achieving our certification levels. I'm wondering if you and I could go over some specific goals that candidates can achieve along the way toward achieving their overall goal of the CS2. Sure. Um, I think uh, one of my philosophies, I guess, uh, with relation to goal setting and, and skiing, um, and I know we're talking about the CS2 and this will play in, is that before we can teach something, we need to have a level of understanding and ability with it. Um, so we sort of need to be able to teach ourselves or understand where we are within whatever it is that we're trying to teach, if that makes sense. So for the CS2, um, while we're not, it's not a, a, a course where, you know, we're evaluating, if you will, the candidate's um, skiing skills or riding skills, perhaps, but we are looking at them on snow um, and watching them, their ability to be able to communicate the information they've learned and present it to a group of their peers and teach. Um, so one of the things that CS2 candidates can do is to practice just that. So at your home school, once 
schools are open and there's snow on the ground. Um, you can, you know, volunteer to go teach in, if you're a children's instructor, volunteer to go teach in the adult program so that your audience is unfamiliar to you. So you're communicating to an age group that is not your comfort zone. Um, and the same thing for an adult instructor. Before you go for that CS2, I would suggest that you, um, you know, volunteer yourself to go take some children's lessons within your school so that you're more familiar with working with that younger audience um, so that you practice utilizing the language and the theory and you can see children are so honest they're going to let you know it's some of the best feedback you can get they're going to let you know if what you're saying makes any sense to them at all so um, those are two really important um, ways to achieve the goal of the CS2. And just on kind of a, a personal basis, I mean, I've observed instructors at times, it's, they'll get in front of a group of kids and, and it's like they become this completely different person that's almost fakey and almost scary. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've seen that as well. It's a little off-putting. Um, and I think one of the things we need to remember is that just because children um, are, you know, not quite as tall as we are as adults, um, they still, you know, they want to interact with you as their instructor, as a person. Um, so I, my kind of general rule of thumb is just be myself. And if the child that I'm interacting with or teaching, if they ask for silliness, then I will bring them silliness. But if they're not asking for it, just be yourself. Use your normal tone of voice. Um, they can hear. You don't have to speak more loudly. Um, you know, get down to their level. I think often what happens with this, George, is that people get really caught up in the jargon of everything that they're studying before they go to the CS2, and they get, they kind of segment all these different models and theories. And really at the CS2, it's not so much about segmenting, it's more about the melting pot and putting all of those things together to um, be able to deliver a really impactful and effective lesson for any age child. Last couple of tips for people that are getting ready to go. They've got their workbook books done. They just need to go and, and take the process. Um, you know, just go for it. It's, I think if you've put your work in and you've done your workbook and you've um, worked on, you know, your teaching and your skiing and riding and you've been interacting with children. Um, oh, another I just thought of another idea for, I know a lot of instructors just don't have the opportunity to, to teach children, but you might have the opportunity to ride a chairlift with a child. Ah. And sometimes those chairlift conversations are some of the most, I have some, some of my best memories um, are of some of the conversations I've had with children on chairlifts. So, um, you know, and try to stay away from asking them the same old questions that everyone asks them. Um, try to find some unique questions, and they'll really engage in conversation, and it can be one of the best ways to learn, um, certainly in that cognitive realm, about how a child thinks and processes when you're speaking to them. And also in that affective realm, you can ask them questions about, you know, how they're feeling about being out on the mountain. And more often than not, their um, excitement will kind of shine through in the conversation. So it's a good way to balance out in that CAP model because we spend most of our time in the physical realm. Um, and I think, you know, right before you go, that's a great way to, plus you'll have some, 
some fresh interactions with children, which will spark creativity and give you ideas to bring in to the teaching part of your CS2. Stacy Garish, thanks very much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, George. From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.